Hey, Acquired listeners. Earlier this week, we had Jake Saper, a friend of the show and partner at Emergence Capital on the limited partner bonus show to talk about software as a service companies. After we finished recording, David and I decided that Jake's perspective was so awesome that we wanted to share at least some of it with the broader group. For all of you LPs out there, you can check out the full 90-minute episode that dropped yesterday in the bonus feed. And if you're not an LP yet, here are some of the highlights in this extended sneak peek. You can always join and become an acquired limited partner by clicking the link in the show notes or going to kimberlite.fm slash acquired. Now, on to the show. Jake, in addition to being my classmate from a long time ago, back in business school, Jake is a partner at Emergence Capital, which in my opinion is best SaaS investor, early stage SaaS investor in Silicon Valley. And we are super honored to have him on the show to talk about something that Ben and I have done and occasionally do in our current VC lives, but are by no means experts on, which is SaaS investing. Jake, when you joined Emergence? 2014. 2014, right? Yeah, almost five years. Wow. And you worked at Klein Perkins before that, uh, our summer in business school. Uh, Before that, you did consulting and worked in energy, right? All true. All true, all true. And uh, Emergence, you don't have to just take my word for it that they're really great. Uh, They were early investors in companies like Salesforce, Viva Systems, SuccessFactors, Box, Zoom, Gusto, and Yammer. They've had quite a number of successes and many more to come. Most importantly, though, Jake played a lead role in the uh, Silicon Valley sensation, Soma the Musical. <laughs> so if we have time, we might get into that too. <laughs> I'm glad Sorry, that that's I had the to. most important thing. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start with my first question. How did you guys at Emergence decide to only focus on SaaS? I mean, it was not obvious when, when the firm started. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, on top of that, too, let's start from square zero. What, what is SaaS and what is not SaaS? Sure. Uh, well, that's actually, interestingly, a harder question these days uh, to answer. <laughs> so very technically speaking, SaaS obviously stands for software as a service. And it's the idea that you're delivering software uh, on a continuous basis versus on more of an upfront uh, license purchased basis. Um, this has been conflated with cloud uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, you can deploy SaaS is most commonly deployed in the cloud. The reality is SaaS is a business model and cloud is a deployment methodology. And so those two things are often conflated, but the reality is you can have a SaaS business model for an on-prem product Mm -hmm. and you you can have cloud. I think you could have something in the cloud that wasn't, I mean, obviously you can have a lot of things in the cloud that aren't SaaS. Actually are, yeah. At, at, at Microsoft, when we were doing Office for iPad, Mac, Windows, we were selling software as a service as desktop bits. Yeah. At, at first, when the world was transitioning to that, it always felt a little funny to me that uh, it's, you know, we were watching the rise of these web applications that charge monthly, which made sense because the bits were shipped down every time you refresh the page. But, you know, it was kind of like, wait a minute, the, the software on my computer can be turned off. Okay. And then the world had to like jump over that a little bit. To, right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think over time people have come to uh, embrace SaaS as a business model. It, mm-hmm. It's really beneficial for for companies because they get a recurring revenue stream, so it's quite predictable. Investors like that, um, and in fact, um, as an avid listener of the Acquired Podcast myself, uh, I'm familiar with the trends that the podcast industry has made more mm-hmm. towards uh, SaaS of late, including this uh, this very podcast, very podcast indeed. 
Later on in the show, we get a chance to ask Jake specifically about his beliefs on how SAS and the Enterprise will play out and what Emergence's specific theses are. At any given point, the firm can have no more than three priority themes. Wow. And, and priority themes are, are themes where we dedicate full firm resources to pursuing them. Are you willing to share what they are right now? Or sure. is that Yeah, yeah. No, it's no for sure. Happy to. So the first is, is uh, we still are huge believers in this concept of vertical SaaS or what we call industry cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, we think there's still a lot, a lot of room to run there. There's still a lot of industries that haven't seen the benefit of that yet. Uh, one I know, you, when you first joined, you spent a lot of time on that is how to like construction tech, right? Yeah, construction tech certainly very popular. And one of the first investments that I, I was involved with was a company called Drone Deploy. Uh, which is drone software focused on farmers and construction workers primarily. Mm-hmm. There, and there's obviously been a bunch of exits in construction recently, and that mm-hmm. that's actually you know proven to be a pretty attractive uh, sector. And there's a bunch of other ones. So that's kind of you know current you know the one priority theme. Uh, the second priority theme that we're we're pursuing right now is something we call the deskless workforce. Mm-hmm. And uh, this makes a lot of intuitive sense, but the concept is 80% of the world's workforce doesn't actually sit at a desk. And 95% of the world's software has been built for people who sit at tasks, <laughs> mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's, a, there's a mismatch. It doesn't take, you know, a genius to find that out. So the argument would be that, you know, once people start to build software that's actually being actively used by that 80%, the size of the addressable software market that could be created could actually dwarf what we currently have, which mm-hmm. is really humbling to think about. Yeah. And we just had our, our first and what we believe to be the, the, the first billion dollar outcome in Deskless Workforce theme. We had invested in a company called ServiceMax that was also built right. on TheForce.com. It was acquired by GE uh, now a year and a half ago for about a billion dollars. Um, and that was a kind of what we called a field service uh, mm-hmm. software company. But we're, we're super actively excited about this Deskless Workforce idea. And that will also encompass a bunch of new modalities that will encompass, yep. you know, augmented glasses. It'll, you know, Microsoft had the big HoloLens 2 launch. Yeah. The, note that it was enterprise focused. Exactly. Well, and, and I actually and I think perfectly you, in this theme. You must be a business to buy one. It's kind of funny. Yeah. They have no consumer channel. There's no ability other than through procurement to actually go get one of the HoloLens too. And in fact, it reminds me a lot of Apple sort of doubling down with the later edition of the Apple Watches on fitness as, as the sort of the primary use case rather than it does all these things and it's a right. platform that you can figure out whatever it is. They're like, no, no, no. We know what it is now. It's enterprise. It's training. We're not even putting up a website for it that you can buy it. This is back to the focus concept. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so that's that's second core theme number two. Core theme number three is a theme that we have uh, completely made up. So the title will be one that is probably new to many of you, uh, but I'm really excited to talk about it. And the theme is something we call coaching networks. And the idea is that in many much of the uh, software that has been built uh, using machine learning today in the enterprise has been focused on automating away low-level tasks. Mm-hmm. And there's value in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of what we call static tasks that are repetitive, often human-to-machine, that will likely be automated away. This is like, uh, yeah, UiPath. UiPath what, automation what anywhere. Yeah. And there's yep. a lot of companies that are doing really well doing that. Yep. Um, and we think that's a, that's a great market. But what we think is actually an even better market and a longer-term, more defensible uh, software play is using that same machine learning technology to augment workers or coach them as they perform their tasks in real time. Mm-hmm. So the idea would be, as the three of us are having this conversation, you can imagine a coaching network that could pop up and say, hey, Jake, you've been talking too long. <laughs> Let Ben interject here. Ben's got something great to say. It would learn whether or not I did or didn't do it. Yeah. Actually, I already talked over him, uh, <laughs> which is what, there's obviously no coaching network involved here. 
you know, learn whether or not I yeah. did it or not. And then importantly, would would correlate my behaviors to some sort of business outcome. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. did the product get sold? Did the interviewee want to work for us? Whatever that, that thing is. And then be able to make those correlations happen across everyone in the network that's actually performing that task mm-hmm. and then be able to make recommendations based upon everyone's behavior. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of these of this this idea um, is not only that it's a much more you know positive way to view the world and kind of automating <laughs> everything away. Um, and we also think there's a lot of retraining possibilities here because you actually can start doing a task without a lot of training because mm-hmm. this actually acts as a bit of a digital digital apprentice. But the, but from a business model perspective, what makes me so excited about this is that finally the enterprise has the ability to capture network effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you think about the consumer giants, Google, Facebook, etc., you know Salesforce has performed really well. But it's still not anywhere close to the size of the consumer jobs. Yeah, it's not a network. It's it's a platform for sure. Right, and it's got you know all the lock in that comes from all the best applications are are you know they call it the operating system of of the business where all the best applications are sort of available through uh, Salesforce in the same way they used to be available through Windows. Uh, so there's sort of lock in, but you're right. It's not a network effect in the same way that you know every single business that comes on would be directly better for every other business who is ex- an existing customer. The same way that a Facebook would be. Exactly. And so our belief is that coaching networks, perhaps for the first time, will create an opportunity to actually have true network effects in the enterprise. Mm-hmm. So um, Ben's familiar with this company, but one of our companies that's in Seattle that, that is squarely in the coaching networks space is called Textio. Yeah, I was going to bring it up. Yeah. yeah, and Textio does something called augmented writing. And basically, the concept is anytime you write something in business, you generally have a purpose. You're trying to achieve something. Mm -hmm. And the words you're using are generally going to be correlated with whether or not you achieve your purpose. Mm -hmm. It's a a really intuitive concept. So the idea is, can you get enough data on what was written and what the outcomes were to be able to make recommendations to people as they're writing Mm -hmm. on how to write to be more likely to achieve whatever goal that is? Um, and in the spirit of focus, their first focus was on job posts. Yep. Turns out the, the job posts you write are highly predictive of who will apply who to will your apply. job. Yep. Jake's thesis on coaching networks is one that's personally fascinating to me, and we continued to dive deeper into one, why the time is now for this opportunity, and two, specifically how machine learning has allowed for a new type of network effect business model. In this next segment, we dove into how Jake looks at market sizing when he's considering an investment. The way we think about all of our diligence efforts is it starts with what is the customer value being created? Mm-hmm. So even if that customer value that's being created is being created for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Because there, there there's not a comp. There's not an existing market for Textio. So mm-hmm. you have to... You have to. You can't. You know, download a Gartner report and see what that looks like, right? <laughs> and and the reality is, the best opportunities there's not going to be a Gartner right, report, exactly. Uh, particularly for early stage investing, so you have to understand what is the customer value that's being created. So you talk to customers and say, hey, what was life like before you use this product? What is life mm-hmm. like now? You can understand what that value being created is. Mm-hmm. If there's enough value being created, you can see a path towards capturing some of that value. And if there's enough value being created and you believe there's enough people like that for whom that value could be created, then you can see a path towards a market being created. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting and helpful for founders to probably use a similar framework that you use in market sizing. When you know you're you're a talented person with only a, a limited number of years on this earth where you can be working, and and you have to decide what I'm going to spend my time on, and what I'm going to start, or what I'm going to go join. And it's interesting to think about sort of opportunity sizing. I won't say market sizing, but um, from a bottoms up perspective instead of a top down, where mm-hmm. it's almost like 
TAM is backward looking, whereas value provided on a unit basis and then I'm trying to extrapolate that to how many units could there eventually be is really forward looking. That's such a good way to put it. Uh, TAM is a very backward looking metric. Mm -hmm. We we really don't like top down market sizing. Um, We think it, it guides you in the wrong direction. I mean, the two companies we talked about today, if we had done top down, we wouldn't have made the investments. We then got deep into the weeds of what metrics SaaS companies should be measuring and what numbers are good. Here's a hot take from Jake on something he does that's fairly abnormal for a SaaS investor. There's a last metric I want to add, which is the one that I think is least talked about in SaaS, but I think is arguably, I'm coming to believe, is amongst the most important. Um, and it's actually a consumer metric. Um, wow. I know. You crazy, heard it here right? first. You heard it here first, folks. Um, <laughs> the, the, the metric that I spent a lot of my time focused on uh, in diligence and, and as a board member is utilization mm. or usage. Yeah. yeah. Writing on the wall. Yeah. And so, and so the, yeah, there's, there's two reasons why I think usage is important. One is, uh, I guess I could find a third to make it three, but um, in my head, it's only two at the moment. <laughs> um, so the, the, the first reason, obviously, is it's a leading indicator for churn, right? Mm-hmm. So if people aren't using your product very much, it doesn't matter. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you, as you said. Um, the second reason why it's important, and this is more specific to machine learning driven companies, is utilization actually uh, creates a data flywheel that makes the product better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if let's just take Textio or Guru, for example, if, if in the case of Guru, every time they popped up uh, a recommended piece of knowledge, no one used it, mm-hmm, it was just mm-hmm. ignored, then not only do, are people not getting value out of the product, mm-hmm. but more, almost perhaps more importantly, the, the system isn't learning any new data. The system mm-hmm. isn't seeing, okay, the, you know, the, the, they tried this knowledge and it worked or it didn't work and therefore mm-hmm. I can improve over time. It's just a static machine learning data mm-hmm. set. The data set itself is not expanding. Mm-hmm. And so usage is important both as a leading indicator of churn, but also really critically as a way to make the product better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in diving deeper on pricing, SaaS metrics, or hearing more about how Textio and Guru are employing coaching networks, you can check out the rest of the episode by clicking the link in the show notes to become an acquired limited partner or going to kimberlite.fm acquired. Now listeners, before we hang it up for this sneak peek episode, we just had to include these closing words from Jake, embarrassingly kind as they may be. Super fun. We're gonna have to have you back to, I, you know, one thing, obviously, emergence, and, and I know you are super thoughtful, too, about is, um, you know, building venture firms. And yeah, I have a you lot guys are big into the Kaufman program. And uh, definitely want to talk about all let's that. do so another we'll, episode. We'll do another episode. Yeah, I, I love this place. Um, I just want like, I just want to say one last thing about my love for this, this podcast. Um, <laughs> Which I like. I'm an avid. I'm. I'm. You know. I guess I'm a. I'm a long time listener, first time. Uh, <laughs> first time caster, guest, <laughs> guest uh, etc. But I'm just so proud of what you guys have built. Aww. And 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 the, the thing I want to say about it is the evident joy that you guys have when creating this this beautiful thing you've created comes through in the audio so clearly. Like sitting here, I can see both of your smiles. But the cool thing about what you're doing is that the smiles are actually audible through what you're building and it makes the listener smile as well so thank you oh well thanks jake very high compliment thank you sir and on that note we will see you for our next regularly scheduled episode very likely on lyft the first in the stampede of unicorns on acquired